0: Welcome to, For the Love of Books, a podcast by North Lanter Libraries. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the North Lancher Libraries podcast For the Love of Books. My name is Chris Wilson and I'm the eServices Services Librarian for North Natural Libraries. And today I'm joined on a podcast with Alison Walsh, the Customer Services Librarian at Colt Bridge Library and Hilary Petrie, our Open Learning Officer at Motherwell Library. Hello guys, welcome back. I you guys have both been here before, so these, these are willing victims again to come back and, and listen and chat with me today. So that's good. <laughs> um, today I thought what we would do is um, have a wee, like, th- chat about what um has been getting issued by our library members because over the last kind of from start of the year um because i think it's quite interesting to see what people have been desperate to get back into libraries and get issued issued out and and see what the what they kind of have been getting out on the library card so is we'll start off maybe before we kind of reveal the list before you guys saw what was on there was there any any titles or any authors you thought would definitely be kind of at at the kind of top end of that that list Alison there was anything you you thought would would be out there
1: yeah well I mean I think I definitely thought the Lee Childs and people like that would be there um and I I actually thought some of the romantic authors would be there uh, like Daniel Steele's not to give anything away but there are ones that you thought would be there like Lee Child, Michael Connolly, things like that that are mega heavily borrowed um, mm-hmm. but some of them are a bit left field or some of them that aren't there I think are surprising actually um, yeah, that's what yeah I would say.
0: And, uh, Is there anything that, that surprised you a little bit Hilary?
1: Yeah I was kind of expecting to see Kirsten
2: and the Scabby Queen there I was a little bit surprised that it didn't appear but then maybe that reflects what The the kind of time period that things were released in when we were when when we've had the branches closed, Uh, and maybe that's one that just sort of fell. Maybe people picked it up by other means, or maybe she's still flying under the
1: radar. In which case, um,
0: we we need need to flag her her up better.
1: (laughs) I don't think she's flying under the radar. No, (laughs) No, I don't (laughs) think so either. But.
0: Well, what we get started, we'll reveal the top 10 books that have been issued in our libraries since the start of the year and see what we can think of them and and stuff. Well, we go with that. Well, we go in reverse order from 10 to 1. I think that's probably the best idea, isn't it? So I need to try and remember to read this list that I've got on my screen backwards so that we get that right. So at number 10 was The Less Dead by Denise Mina, which uh, was shortlisted for the Costa Prize um, and... Uh, the, the lead character in it is called Margot and she goes in search of her birth, mom, birth mother and discovers that she's been murdered and she enlists the help of her aunt to try and discover who the murderer was. So I don't think it's a big surprise that Denise, Denise Mina's kind of made the list. Here. She is kind of a, Scot- a Scottish crime author, very popular. Did that one surprise you guys at all?
1: not really I think not that it's Denise is there I think probably what the surprise is is that other Scottish crime authors aren't there I think probably more than that she is you know but it's that was the one that had all the zeitgeist and traction round about it as you say with the shortlist thing and whatnot that um
0: yeah definitely definitely and at number nine we have got the first of two entries for Michael Conley on the list um, which is The Law of Innocence which is the sixth Mickey Haller book um, and the, the Lincoln lawyer finds himself having to defend himself in court when the police find a, a body in the boot of his car so he seems <laughs> as if he's got he himself in a bit of trouble with that one um, and um Again, Michael Michael Collins is a kind of a mega star author, so there, I guess there's not really much surprise that he's kind of featuring in that last story. Yeah, I
2: think that's it. I think when when you get to these um, authors who are mega stars and who are releasing titles again, and I get you know new new title after new title, then definitely not. I've I've only read one of that that series uh, and thoroughly enjoyed it. But I think it was one of the kind of early ones. Um, so yeah. I think, again, I think one of the things maybe, maybe is reflected here as well is the fact that a lot of these authors probably get quite a following of people who just, you know, are ready to read read the next one as it comes out, so absolutely no surprise that's there.
0: Yeah, as the, the kind of big releases by these authors, these are the ones that, where if we did have reservations on at the moment, it would be the kind of ones with a massive weakness and you'd be expecting to probably have to wait quite some time to get your hands on them. Um, and the next one, uh, number eight on our list, is The Silent Death by Peter May. So I mean, Peter May is obviously very, very well thought of as well. Um, and this one, um, it's uh, an expat Jack Jack Cleland um hatches a, a kind of revenge plan when he witnesses the death of his girlfriend. I think it what I was reading from the board, but It seems to be that a police a police woman has has killed his girlfriend. So I don't know if the I don't know if Jack Cleland and his girlfriend are a bit kind of a, a dodgy couple or not. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure the circumstances behind death, but um some for some reason a policewoman has ended up killing uh, his girlfriend, and he goes on a revenge mission. So you can't quite be a revenge story, really, can you Alison? <laughs>
1: No, not really. And I suppose actually this is one of the ones, maybe not a surprise it's on the list, but I would have thought that the Peter May book that was on, it was going to be lockdown, but it oh. shows maybe how times moved on because that was the one that I thought was going out a lot or that I was aware of a lot of chitter chatter around about. So it yeah. just goes to show that actually our crime lovers are just still wanting... Their good old fashioned crime story, um, regardless of external factors.
0: Yeah, or or maybe they're just terrified of the of the lockdown scenario and, <laughs> and want to avoid it at all costs.
1: There will be a bit of escapism. I'm all for that in a bookcase. <laughs> um,
0: number seven is one that has been hugely popular. Um, the Thursday, the Thursday Murder Club um, by Richard Osman. There's a sequel coming very soon. It's um, so that one, I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but it is coming in the very near future. Um, and basically set in a retirement village, there's four friends who investigate unsolved murders, but they kind of find themselves in the midst of a murder much closer to home because somebody nearby kind of unfortunately becomes a victim and they kind of get embroiled in the whole thing, things like that as, as part of the story. So that's been a massive book over the last little while.
2: Yeah, it has. And actually that's funnily enough, probably why I haven't read this one. Um I'm one of these <laughs> I'm one of these readers who sometimes is when something gets really hyped and I, I really quite like the sound of it, is is really tentative about actually going to read it because I don't want to not like it. Yeah. I, I'm kind of like sort of put off slightly by that. So um yeah, that's one that it's not quite made it to the to read pile yet, but it's in the gravitating towards it for me. Yeah. Um it does, it sort of strikes me as a kind of Miss Marple kind of so but with a heck of a lot more humor. I I I I'm I'm not having read it, can't tell you if that's exactly what it is. But just the characterization in it and the fact that Richard Osmond has read, written it, I'm expecting a heck of a lot of humour. Um I, I, but with this kind of stereotypical older older
1: characters in it. Yeah. That, I, just used that. Uh, I heard him on quite a few podcasts and it's very episodic with him coming from the TV background and he was on the Simon Mayo book podcast so I shouldn't um, we shouldn't be really given ear time should we plug in other podcasts but um, <laughs> they were talking about the laugh out loud moments and when Simon and his colleague had both read the book and they could imagine the moments when the other one would just be guffawing with laughter yeah. so I thought that's great but I've also i had kind of mixed feedback about it it's been a kind of marmite book that people either love it they think it's hilarious and older people some older people do love it i think it's but other older people really just think it's nonsense and it's ridiculous and it's view of a retirement home even though i gather he based it on the retirement home that or the kind of retirement community that his own mum lives in i think was part of the inspiration behind it so it's one of those kind of marmite books i think that so, and given that none of us have actually read it, who knows? But that's... do you think that happens, though, when, when, when there is a lot of humour in
2: something, particularly if, if it's just not right on your brand of humour, that sometimes it then pushes it over into that kind of more Marmite bit of, yeah, it would be funnier if I actually really enjoyed that that style of humour? I'm thinking some of the, some of the yeah. sort of st- satirical stuff sometimes that, you know, I think Ben Elton's probably one of those authors that you either really get his humour. Or I'm sure those books just sort of fall flat if you don't.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can get that. And this one. And as well, it's, it's that kind of like thing. But it, it sort of sits in between two, journals a little bit with a bit of humour in there, bit of crime in there. So like, will the really kind of big crime fans really like it, or because it's got that humorous element to it, and will kind of people who like kind humorous books like it because it's got the kind of crime element to it. But obviously there's that kind of market as well so it's one of those ones that could kind of fall in between a little bit. We did get a recommendation from that for, for Peter in the last episode of the podcast so it is liked by some of our staff who have read it as well so give it a try if, if, if you fancy it and you can always let us know what your thoughts on it as well as in, in, the, in our social media um the next one on the list um which is number six i think it is if we're going on backwards um is the roots of evil by Quentin Jardin so it's a good kind of local author he was born in Motherwell i believe or kind of Motherwell area um and this is Bob Skinner number 32 i, th- oh. I think i think it's incredible that, that these authors can kind of continue to write stories for the same character that that many times Um this one seems to be set in Edinburgh um, and it's not another kind of gritty mystery where Skinner has, has to solve the murder of a fellow policeman. Um, he, he's kind of caught in a compromising situation at one point, and um, the people don't really believe him that he was kind of being undercover. But it kind of seems to hint that because of his murder, it does look like he has been kind of murdered for in a kind of undercover scenario type thing. So. Um, another kind of dark gritty kind of Scottish crime novel. We know how how popular they are. Alison, they are hugely popular. Um, like you're saying, probably we th- we maybe expect a few more Scottish crime authors to kind of feature in the top ten of this. But um, Quentin Jordan's definitely up there as one of the kind of top ones.
1: But none
0: of my favourites are on the list Chris so that's what I think <laughs> we'll come back to that later yeah, well, yeah we could we definitely kind of highlight a few other ones for sure for sure um another kind of big author a completely different sort of genre from some of the ones that we've been kind of looking at um uh, with Nora Roberts and Hideaway is the next one on our list um she uh this one sounds as if it's the, the central character Caitlin Sullivan suffered a, a childhood trauma at a family family gathering, and she must face up to it later in life when she returns home. So, um, it's it's definitely no, it's not my the, not my kind of thing this one. I have to admit, but um, but Nora Roberts is huge, and we we know that when we expect her books to be kind of very very popular when they come out, Hillary, do not we?
2: Yeah, that's it. Again, you you've got your. Your authors that people are always coming in and looking for the next one to come out um, yeah. or or when somebody starts with kind of might read the, the whole back catalogue one after the other as well and I think she, Nora Roberts certainly sits in that that category of, of author um, I'm with you though I haven't read any of her stuff although actually when asked some some colleagues for recommendations recently she, she was on the list of people that people said I had to go and read um, so I suppose in that sense she's probably also in my get to pile
0: yeah yeah for me uh, she, she has one of those ones that like our books are sort of hugely popular but they never quite kind of reach my to read, read list a little bit i have to admit but that that's uh that's the thing with, with having so many great authors out there there's such a kind of wide variety of people to choose from next on our list which i think is we're at number four i think if i'm reading that correctly um well, Sorry. I know, I know. It's
1: <laughs> just as well you're in
0: a you <laughs> know. It's it's difficult reading something upside from upside down. But no, number four is V two by uh, Robert Harris. Um this was part of the Richard and Judy Book Club two thousand twenty one. Um it's a World War Two thriller and the, the protagonist and there's kind of someone on kind of either sides of the of the war, um, and one is the kind of sort of scientist person, I think, who is kind of been developing the 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 missiles, and there's a, a kind of British kind of person on their side trying to stop those missiles kind of getting launched, and at some point along the story, their stories collide, and you know things happen. So. So, I, uh, <laughs> at this um, point, I
1: think I will, having read, this is actually one of the ones I have read on the well, list, it's so exciting, yeah, cool. uh, <laughs> but it's actually quite cool, because it does look at the story from both sides, I mean, like all Robert Harris's book, it just romps along at a great pace, it's very readable, but without being ridiculous, and it. it It's a fun thriller. But um, the kind of German side, it kind of has grown out of guys who wanted to build rockets and actually go to space with the rockets. But the technology for that kind of propulsion to get things up then got adapted um, into making these missiles. And they're based in um, Skivenheim, which is just outside of The Hague in Holland. So there's a lot of like description about being on the beach, about being on the coast and the low country. And then it kind of coincides with... um, the British side of things and it's a, a woman who has been a uh, commandeered from being in Cambridge and she's good at maths and doing all the kind of calculations and things like that with her slide rule and it's all these very um, smart young women all being taken with you know to us now it's so retro but literally pencils and paper and slide rules to work out and they're working out the angles and the trajectory so will the missile reach London will it not and so that's kind of the premise behind it and obviously as you would expect a lot of really good character observations so like um the British top brass you know they go to these meetings in Whitehall and you know she's very much just the girl that's supposed to sit in the corner but a lot of these young women are kind of the brains behind working out what's happening but because she's not senior enough in the organization you know so there's all these wee kind of like sly nods to those kind of uh, things so it's actually it's a good read and I mean I don't really read a lot of war books but I am I do like Robert Harris and I've heard him speaking about it a few times and again Sometimes you just do the mood for something that's a real page turner, and I think that's probably what this one is. You know, just keeps you going, and it all comes to rather a nice um, conclusion, or a kind of unexpected but a satisfying conclusion. So yeah, definitely, it's one probably to to look out for.
2: And I think Harris is very good at writing to give you the other side of the story as well. Like you say, it's not always just about the sort of British angle, even if 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 there's British um, characters involved. Because I've read um, Archangel which is the one set in contemporary Russia when they're looking for a a notebook that they think is Stalin's diary. And it's the same sort of thing. You know, you get the whole kind of round picture um, rather than just... the the sort of british characters if you like and and, which i think a lot of other authors are maybe not so good at doing i mean they say a real
1: flair for bringing historical times alive and i think that's what's good you're right it's the three-dimensional german characters it's not like stereotypical um nazis or you know there's a lot more to it you know so some of them are the kind of nazis you would recognize from war movies in it but they're not all like that And it's the whole picture as you
0: say it's good Fantastic, and, and it's good. I, I quite like the fact that that, that uh, historical fiction novel managed to make the list as well, because 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 sometimes these these things do get dominated a bit by crime fiction. So it's kind of nice that something a bit different go on there. Um, next on our list, so we're into the top three, and we are at Fair Warning by Michael Conley. So this is the second Michael Conley book to make the list, um, and the character in this one, Jack McAvoy, is a journalist who is is well known for being able to kind of finding criminals and things like that, and killers and things like that. And in this book, he gets accused of murder himself and needs to use his kind of skill set of kind of getting... Uh, to the bottom of crimes and using techniques and things like that that the police aren't really kind of, allowed to do to try and find out the, the real killer behind the scenes. So again, Michael Connolly, a massive author, H- Alison. It's not it's not a big surprise that he's got two big hits on there on the list.
1: No, I mean, they just go sell like hotcakes, don't they? I mean, that's the thing. You buy your Michael Connolly and it goes and it's one if there's an upside to not having requests is that people actually possibly can come into the library and find that in the shelf rather than it's gone in a whatever nine month tour of North Lanarkshire which can happen sometimes so (laughs) that's the kind of upside but absolutely Michael Connolly as soon as I see that on my um, list of new books to buy for a week yeah that's a definite one you need for all your branches. Yeah
0: a definite purchase for sure and so is the the number two on the list as well um, and probably Probably the only thing that surprised me about number two in the list is the fact it is just number two in the list rather than number one. Yeah. Um, And it's The Sentinel by Lee Child, which is Jack Reacher number 25. So he's not quite caught up with Bob Skinner just yet, but he'll get there, I'm sure. And it's, this one centres around Jack Reacher visiting a small town in Nashville, which seems to be under a, a cyber attack. And there's a kind of geeky person, geeky kind of sidekick person there who. Jack Reacher seems to have to protect in the story, so it's just a kind of a, a typical Jack Reacher Lee Child thriller, really, isn't it? Harry, it just um, loads of people love it.
2: Yeah, very much so, and I, I think as well the fact that you know he he writes he's, and and he if remind me if I'm right, it's Jack Reacher that. um is a the film? there's a whole sort of film series from this as well? Isn't there?
0: Yeah, the, well, there was a. That was the, the controversial one because it was Tom Cruise it was it was Jack Reacher and all. And he's people, the wrong height. And and people don't like him as, no, as Jack Reacher Jack
1: but... Reacher was meant to be a big guy and <laughs> yeah. like a tough guy and all of these and you know talents that Tom Cruise has. These are not height's not one of them. No. no. But
2: like that, and, and, and I love it as well because I, I have picked up one or two. I've not read this one yet, but I have picked up the odd one of these over the years. um. And, and, and yeah, geeky characters are good. <laughs>
0: yeah, protect
1: protect these computer people.
2: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: Definitely. <laughs> is, this not, is this not the last um, Jack Reacher that's a Lee child's going to write it himself? I think he's handling
0: it. Uh,
2: this, uh, uh, this one's
1: co-written. Is this a co-write as
2: well? Yeah, it's a co-write yeah. as well on this. But but that's interesting because like yeah well, I mean I think he, he in some ways reminds me a wee bit of um, Eric Lusbader who again um, has done some co-writing or, or writing under uh, writing under other big names as well. Uh, and my mind, of course, my mind's blanking exactly who he does that for at the moment. But I think that's it. Sometimes the characters and the, the the series become actually bigger than the person who writes it. Yeah. And and so you know, if you pick the people carefully who do it, you can keep that character going on um, and, and, and the, the, the the work's being churned out uh, and, and continued and not having to kind of come to the end. So he's going to catch Bob Skinner.
1: Absolutely. I'm quite <laughs> sure. And I think it's his brother that's taken over the writing, yeah. isn't it? So I'm sure yeah. that is that probably is the very epitome, isn't it, of picking who takes over your story carefully, <laughs> or maybe not. I suppose I say that as an only child, possibly taking your no. brother's not a smart move. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it means that you've got an awful lot of trust in
2: them. If they've both got a lot of trust in each other, actually, if they're prepared to write co-write like that, yeah.
0: Well, what, what is Lee Child going to do for himself? If he's not writing Jack Leecher books. That's the big question as well. He's like, so going to well, sit
1: in Wyoming, I think it is. Where he lives and drink <laughs> all those many, many cups that he drinks. Something ridiculous, doesn't he? Like forty cups of coffee a day or something. And...
0: <laughs> but so, will, he, but will he need them if he's not writing Jack Reacher books or that? Well, that's well
1: possibly place. not. He might not need that mm-hmm. <laughs> extreme levels of stimulation.
0: <laughs> so the let's get on to number one, unless, and uh, this is the one that has managed to knock Lee Child off the top spot for for us and. It is Choggy Bane by Douglas Stewart, so it's not probably a great surprise. I mean, this this book has been massively successful. It's won tons of awards, um, and it's also set in Glasgow, which uh, for for our kind of readers tends to be a kind of winner straight away as well, with it being fairly local. Um, and Alison, it's it's just a massive a massive winner um, in terms of. Uh, Terms sales, terms of awards, it's critically acclaimed. Everybody that seems to have read it that I know um, seems to have thought it's absolutely fantastic. So there's there's nothing kind of bad to really get to be said about this book at the moment.
1: No, I mean I don't really think there is anything bad to say about it. I should point out as well that there's a huge chunk of it's actually set in North Lanarkshire in the kind of thinly veiled description of I think her down up at steps. Um, so we have even more of a, a tangible link, and I know that certainly a lot of our borrowers, and I can't speak for the ones in steps, but I know a lot of our borrowers part of their interest has been peaked because, um, Douglas Stewart is local, um, in the kind of really specific sense and and they've come into it now and I know the last time obviously I think the last time three of us did the podcast we did speak a wee bit about Shoggy Bane then Um, it's a great book I must admit it took me a while to get into it and bits of it at the start actually it's well observed and certainly easier for how people speak in the west of Scotland and the dialogue in it I mean it's just bang on but at the start of it I don't know I kind of struggled with some of the characterisations or the representation of the city. And I appreciate that some of that's probably because he's written it at a distance and judging is not maybe the way. But you know, some of the descriptions about people that live in a high flat or people that go to football and get in a taxi. And at the start, I thought, mm, I'm not really sure that I'm comfortable with that. But then when the story got going and I got and it got more about actually Shuggy himself, I think I got kind of sucked into that and their family life. And I mean, I have to admit, there are bits of it that really pack this huge emotional punch that you're reading or it's, you know, when you read a book and something happens and it stays in your head for days and days afterwards. And there's a couple of bits like that. And I mean, um You know, roundabout his mother's drinking and or attempts to not drink, and some of the kind of it just it stays with you. And not to get into more detail, because there must be people out there that haven't read it yet. Uh, We see the Lady Go Hillary hasn't read it yet, (laughs) so so not to give you spoiler alerts. But what I will say is, I think that the there is still through it all a pervading sense of optimism, and I think that's what's you know, and about being able to overcome these difficulties or look for the good within it. so, yeah, absolutely. If you've not read it, I would recommend that you do. But I do give you the caveat, despite it's had all of the plods, it's all of the whatever. And I imagine if you live in London or in New York or wherever and your life has maybe not been touched by real life shoggies or, prob- you know, that <laughs> I think probably the, uh, the three of us probably went to school with people who had lives a bit like shoggy or have met people in real life like that and yeah. maybe that's part of it is we're possibly just a bit too close to it I don't know
2: It's interesting that you say that though because I think one of the things I, I from, from the bits I've picked up so far and, and it was on my to-read pile and then somebody borrowed it
1: Um, and I don't have it back yet, so I can't get to
0: it. I hate when people steal books off of (laughs) it.
1: And if only you worked somewhere where there was many, many copies of it. (laughs)
2: I'm leaving leaving them for people to borrow. Um, But but I think, actually, I don't think you have to be West of Scotland to to, to, to pick up with characters like this. I I do think that, actually, it carries the the, the kind of style and the the character. Now, maybe the language problem, you know as a bit more of a barrier but i think you would find characters like this in new york in chicago uh in london and in, in any big city and yeah there'll be some parts that are very west of scotland
1: no i mean the uh, themes are universal and i agree yeah, but universal. I just some of the characterization i think probably some of it's just a wee bit too close to home and you <laughs> kind of go mm, yeah because you know people like that in real life and you get this yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I
2: think I think as well you touched on another one. I, I, maybe maybe part of my hesitancy to pick it straight up has been this realization that actually it feels that like wee bit like a sign of getting older when you realize that you know these characters in these books are, um, that are sort of historic like set in the past, are actually people in times that you remember really rather well. <laughs> <A bit laughs> okay. But Good. interestingly, I wonder, Alison, having you, since you've read that one, and I'm guessing from your reaction earlier on, you've read Scabby Queen. And have you read Dar- have, have you read Poverty Safari, the Dar- Pops, no, no. Or Damien Barr's Maggie and me? No, I've not actually read Damien Barr's Maggie. No. See, I'm I in my mind I think there's maybe a, a sort of collective West of Scotland nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties um memory coming out of, of, of those four in particular. Um I see, I've still to read this one and borrow it back from 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 my dad actually who nicked it and it's unusual actually for him to nick books to read from me so it's that's
1: definitely what think, that's what I think about it it's why Shoggy Beans number One though it has got such traction that people are reading it that wouldn't would take one look at a book that a sticker on the front said Booker Prize winner and wouldn't touch it because um it, it's cut through that people. All kinds of readers are reading it because, as I say, it has, it's cut through. It's, it's had the profile and it's speaking to people. And... and and actually, one one
2: of the comments I've had back on it so far um, um, has has been, I think I understand what was happening some of the, my pupils' lives previously, um, of which I I found that really eye opening and um, quite heart hitting coming from dad because. Um, he taught in, in, in a similar kind of area um, and, and much as I tried to persuade him that Poverty Safari was, was, was kind of really up his street and rest of it that uh, he wasn't having it um, and again there, there is a, a connection through to this one that has obviously just hit him and he suddenly sort of looked at me and so I said actually do you know maybe some of the things we saw we didn't realize that was happening um, so yeah, you know, if it does that for people as well absolutely
0: brilliant yeah, it does. It's got, I think, like, basically, we've said that it's got that kind of like local touch to it, and people can kind of really, kind of pinpoint kind of connections to it and things like that sort of stuff, and gives them a, a, a insight maybe into how people that people they know that how, how their lives may have kind of kind of developed and things like that sort of stuff as well so and H- Hilary I love the fact that you threw your dad under the boss as a book thief there as well that's fantastic.
2: No I'll, I'll throw it up I'll throw up he he, he actually sort of uh, oh when, 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 ask when he asked permission. Ask, ask, ask permission for it yeah no, that's no way i was <laughs> turning that down.
0: <laughs> that's okay there but a lot more, a lot more. Yeah Okay so that was the kind of top 10 books um, f- that have been issued out this year in our libraries. Um, the, the list is obviously much, that we have had a look at as much wider than that so was there any other standouts for you guys on the list or you know, even surprises or anything like that that you thought kind of you didn't expect to see there or, or just ones that you these have read and enjoyed and you know kind of liking the fact that it's, it's kind of sh- the popularity is there with other people as well. Hilary, have anyone stood out to you?
2: Um. I think probably what stood out to me more was a little bit about what wasn't there.
0: Okay.
2: But I don't know if we, you know, can I I reveal some of those just now and turn it in that direction? Um, I, I think three that stood out for Maybe three that so I, I kind of expected Ambrose Parry to appear on there in some shape or form. Another Scottish crime. If, if you look at the if you look at the crime element, um, yeah. that's one of the Scottish crime ones that I thought might have been there. Um maybe that's just because I came across that during lockdown phase one. Um and absolutely, you know, just get me those the minute they come out now. That's that that's got to be there. Um, but actually, I, I thought the 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 last part of the Wolf Hall trilogy, um, Mirror and Delight, I I thought yes. that might have been in there, and I I don't know whether that's maybe that people who because it's such a big tome that people who have been following the series by reading it rather than just than watching it, um, maybe invested in it themselves. And
1: i think that the timing of that one um was just it literally arrived in the library in like the monday and we closed for lockdown in the friday and certainly i know in our um reserves shelf there was ones that were sitting (laughs) and they sat there until we came back to work almost months later so it's possibly why it didn't hit and like that people possibly didn't wait to borrow it from the library because you know it was over that period of lockdown and our friendly amazon driver would still bring it to your door and if you were hanging out waiting for it really four months or whatever was too long wasn't it so i think that the timing for us as a library and for that to be on the list was probably where it went wrong even though it did phenomenally well and everybody else kind of statistical breakdowns i'm quite sure Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah Is there anyone, any books on there that surprised you, or or, or like how they, any any surprised you that wasn't there as well?
1: Well, certainly in the top ten, I was surprised there wasn't any James Patterson. I think that's the thing that yeah. how well that goes out. I was really shocked whether it was ones that he's written himself or the co-writes. You know, that um, I'm surprised he didn't hit the top ten. I know he's still in the list, but I mean he's not a way up there like where I thought he would be. So maybe his yeah. moment, has his stars on the wane or something. I don't know.
0: That that was one of the ones that surprised me that, that wasn't quite as high up as well. Um, and for me, uh, as you guys know, I'm a Matt Haig fan. I can't believe that the Midnight Library isn't higher <laughs> up there. Like, I'm just going to say, it is on the list. It is well, on the list. amount of plugs
1: that you've given it, Chris, and all exactly.
0: of our social media you, platforms. It's you just like... need to listen to me. Come on, read the book. It's fantastic. Well, <laughs> and I'm, it's I'm, even got Library in the title. I mean, look, come on. Fine. So it's fantastic, yeah. So, but um, one of the other ones, a uh, kind of local one, that said uh, to me, it's obviously got a lot of press, in the and how he knows what I'm about to say because she's nodding at me here. Is I was about to use as it well. as <laughs> um, and Young Team, um, which is kind of obviously it's been, again, it's been very, very successful. Um, a, a kind of local author um and um it's kind of sort of set in this kind of again sort of setting this sort of, sort of landscape and things like that as well how would so yeah that one surprised you too it
2: it, it did and then actually just like Alison said about about the hillary mantel i think that one came out just around the time of lockdown and yeah. again maybe maybe had we not been closed, no, had that not happened, I think the young team might well have really taken off in a 2020, 2021 um, top 10 list because uh, I think there'd been a lot of, of publicity, much more publicity, and much more plug in it around it. And I suppose in some ways um, it's not your traditional crime novel, so maybe it doesn't hit. So many people, but I'm with you, Chris. You know that I, I would plug that at any opportunity I get as well. It is just one of the most fabulous, fabulous reads I've I've encountered in the last 12 months, or oh, maybe mm-hmm. more than that now, 15 maybe. Um, I, and on a similar vein, in terms of North Lanarkshire ones, um, I, again, I think might have been higher up had had it, things not worked out the way they did with um, Deborah Orr's mother wool. Yeah. Um, but again, hopefully. People will will return to that and pick it up. I have just picked that up um, out of the two read pile um, finally, um, and already you know, 25, 30 pages into it, it's it's not going to last me too long um, to to get through. And 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 for me, you know, growing up in Glasgow, you know, mother was I knew I was coming home from holidays when we saw the the cooling towers at Ravenscrag. Um that was that was a visual sign that you know that was it, that was the end of holidays you were back. Um and, and I'll be really interested to hear what what the local local community makes of it when, when, when more when more people have read this. Um I think it will have that sort of shuggy bean connection, I feel like Alison, with, with the sort um the pits and, and Upper around Steps as well, like her down area.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um and the the, the sugar books kind of obviously kind of has kind of bucked the trend a little bit with the crime, but usually the crime genre is the top one there. So, and we did mention there that that's kind of been the top one, so there's not really too many surprises with that. But uh, I think that with that being so high up there, the, the other the other part that's that is kind of quite obvious with the rest of the list as well as well is that. Although they've maybe not kind of managed to make it into the top ten quite as much as we thought, Scottish crime fiction is still really popular as well, Alison, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I see like a lot of the other kind of old favourites like Lynn Anderson and even Val McDermott and things that are, are there in the list and are certainly being well borrowed. And um, Stuart McBride also quite high in the list, but not breaking through. So, I mean, I think that these kind of authors, that's I think where our core, a lot of our readers are borrowing now. And I think gone in the days when you would look at a library thing and it's, you know, Catherine Cookson's number one or even romantic novels. You know, it's all gritty realism now, isn't it? Even um, Anne Cleves also. Um, charting high as they say so um, i think that, that there's a lot of scottish crime and i think not only do we like crime but we seem to like a uh, home bred crime this tartan noir thing's really cornering the market at the moment isn't
0: it yeah definitely definitely and like you say and all the kind of stars or that are all, are all there in, in this and some in some way or another with like Anderson, and. Uh, Ian Rankin and all that sort of stuff so they all feature quite prevalent in it as well. Will we kind of try and give uh, another side to the list which is the kind of top five authors overall of the list so and this 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 part of the list is a little bit more crude if you like because it's it's basically based on the kind of top section that we took so it's not like every book in the library that's been issued so 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 it's maybe not a, a fully accurate top top five authors but I think going by the names that came out on it I think it probably is quite an accurate uh, kind of listing of of who would be your kind of most likely to be the top five authors on it so um, we'll go in reverse order again so first up is Michael Coddenley he managed to kind of get two in the top ten and again like we said he's a superstar author um number four was Nora roberts um and again she did feature in the list as well lee child is at number three so again another superstar author and then the top two are actually ones that didn't feature in the top 10 in terms of individual titles which is quite surprising but maybe it just might be because of their vast but kind of back catalogue of titles that kind of managed to pump them up there and it is David Baldacci and James Patterson finally features in our list so so he he did finally get in there Alison
1: I don't don't even really like James Patterson because I just was surprised that he wasn't there
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, he, he, he is. Um, he is one of those authors, kind of best known to lead childhood, child like in the library sense. When these new books come out, the, there is always a massive kind of interest and waiting list and things of like that sort of thing, thing for him. So it's no great, great surprise.
2: I think he's also one of the ones who, who if, if, you know, has done, not not writing with his brother or anything but, but doing a bit of um, shared writing. Um, it, Notably, in, in in things I've picked up over the last couple of years with um, Bill Clint- former President Bill Clinton, um, and and it, I think it, it adds um, a little extra layer of inside knowledge. I don't know who's you know who's written so much, whether you know somebody, the, the other name has written it, most of it, and then it's been tidied yeah. up, but by, by Patterson or, or or what. But um, it, I I quite like that when people sort of write alongside somebody else as well.
0: Yeah, it it definitely kind of adds a kind of interest and in, 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 to see if if how much of like the style changes whenever of of the the author whenever somebody else is involved in writing it for, for sure. Um and the next thing I thought I would maybe kinda of ask you guys about the list is kinda of similar to the one before but that we focused on kind of surprise titles, but rather than the titles themselves, is there any authors on the list that, that were that were featured further down that caught your eye that you might want to kind of point to people and kinda of give for a bit of recognition to? Alison, did you spot anyone? <laughs>
1: I know you're going to ask me that and I'm like thinking desperately who I was wanting to punt down the list. I was say no, that's really rubbish for your podcast, but even though it's <laughs> probably true. <laughs> Do you want me to jump in and give
2: you give you a chance to, to refresh?
1: Oh, I just think if anybody got some ideas, I mean I think a lot of the list is very pres- I don't know that on that list, particularly for the authors, is kind of who you think it would be. It's the big romantic authors, it's the big crime authors, it's the big thriller authors. I don't know that it's so um I suppose Janie Godley's on it, which I think is unexpected, holding her own in amongst the the many um, huge names. But I don't know what Hillary thinks of it; she's coming at it from a different angle.
2: Um, I a couple couple kind of caught my eye of people that are maybe not quite as well known yet, but I think have got potential to become a lot better known. Um, and again, I've I've punted this one before on 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 podcast appearances, but Alan Parks. Uh, in terms of uh, Scottish Scottish crime authors, I think he's got a huge future ahead of him. Um, on to book number four in the series, I think um, yeah. at, at the moment, and it's featuring on the Facebook group at the moment as well. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah, right. Alan Putton. No. Yeah. Um, but the, the one, other one, sorry that oh, yes, the just, the other one actually that I has caught my eye on there as well is Lucy Foley. All right, who, yeah. Um, has written a um, couple of other sort of more—I was going to say mainstream books. That's wrong. or m- more traditional kind of style books, um, and then turned our, our hand a wee bit more to crime uh, with the the Hunting Party and the Guest List. Uh, and again, those are ones that I would, yeah, absolutely go if you enjoy sort of the sort of tartan war side of things. Uh, go pick them up. Go and have a look at those as well.
0: Yeah. The one name that that I loved that that I featured on the list was Rachel Bright, who's a children's uh, picture book author. And it's the whale who wanted more was the title that featured her because that's our new our new book which I mentioned the last time as well that we, that I just got and I just loved the fact that that was on there and obviously she also did an episode of the podcast before for us as well so so I wanted to give her a special mention out there the the, the fact that there was a a really kind of good children's picture book author features on that on the list there so that was quite good. I think we'll kind of sort of start to pull things to a close a little bit, but we can't finish a podcast by finding out a little bit of what you guys are reading. Emily, you mentioned already that you're reading um, *Motherwell* at the moment. Is that is that the yep. only thing you're reading at the moment? Or um,
2: no, I'm I'm in one of these funny spells where I've got too many things on the go and um, I, I just can't quite settle on anything. Um, one of the other ones that's that's there at the moment is um, Ian Dunn's *How to Be a Liberal* a uh, British journalist political journalist and broadcaster um and it, it's one of these ones again that has been sitting on the to be read pile for the, the whole year so far um got it at last it was it was one of these ones that went on my Christmas list last year um and and it's just I, I don't think I had quite envisaged about just how broad it really is um so I've managed to get through to French Revolution, or so we've gone through. I've gone through the English Civil War, um, and and picked up into the French Revolution now. And I am really looking forward to getting to the much more kind of modern day end of it because I kind of think that's what I thought I was I was going to read. But again, it's just one of these great ones, um, and 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 very timely uh, at the moment as well. So yeah it's 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 again it's hard back and it hurts when it when I fall asleep with it so you know <laughs> <laughs> i need to I need to have something paper lighter almost almost lightweight with me at the time as well so that it doesn't hurt so much and that's usually paperback so um yeah picking through those two just now and and I've still got you know a couple of other sort of spread around, but nothing that has actually quite grabbed me um which means that you know there's there's um a, a j d Kirk book against talking Scottish crime writers that are maybe not as well known um I've got a couple of his sitting here as well and I know that the minute I open that that will be a sort of straight read through so I'm trying to discipline myself into reading something a bit more of these other two first
1: before I let myself do that.
0: (laughs) Alison what's on your reading list at the moment?
1: Well um I've recently read a couple of ones I think are good. One of them is actually in this year's Booker um long list. Um, in a town called Solace by Mary Lawson, and um, unlike the kind of gritty tartan noir, still gritty certainly, but I quite like to read things that are set somewhere completely different. And this is in Canada. It's in rural Ontario, and the central characters um left a house um by an old lady who. As the novel evolves, he knew when he was a small child and the novel kind of goes back and forwards in time and it examines their relationship when he was a young boy, why she felt that she wanted to leave him her house. But it runs in tandem with a kind of local story of the family next door who the older child has gone missing and how the younger child is dealing with this. And she befriends the gentleman when he moves into the house and it kind of looks at these dynamics between adults and children and, um, as I say, back and forth in time. And then the kind of two stories come together over that. And um, it's one of these novels, I think it's quite deceptive in its simplicity. It's quite an easy read. Um It's not like you, you read it and it's very, very enjoyable. You know, it's not like worthy literary fiction, but, you know, there's enough in it that obviously, as I see, it's made the book a long list. So um, people more erudite than me think it obviously has literary value, but um it's just even... What I like about books like that is as I say, it's rural Ontario, it's the winter's coming, it's gonna get seriously cold and snowy, it's just completely different from, you know, what we experience and and yet yeah, yeah. obviously in other ways not so much. Um and another book that um was called that I really liked recently was Unsettled Ground um by Claire Fuller. Again, I kind of picked it up because of things on the Costa um, the women's prize shortlist think it was on about a two 50 year old siblings whose mother dies they're twins and they're kind of unworldly and they're kind of out of time and disconnected from our kind of life that's ruled by tech and having bank accounts and having mobile phones and having computers and all of that and the mum took care of all the worldly aspects of life um, and suddenly she's not there and it's how they deal with all of that and they kind of the secrets that come to the fore that were kept buried and it's um the nature in it as well how one uh, they are with nature um, and some of the descriptions in it and one of the best descriptions in it, actually, and actually now it's one of those things i can't get out i'm talking about the magpie and the noise a magpie makes being like a football rattle now i don't know about your garden but our garden's like full <laughs> of magpies just now but you know these old-fashioned football rattles that go yeah. like that, and, you know that's just it exactly you know because your eye might go oh that kind of that one that's the magpie you can hear with that kind of raspy noise but you know being able to just get this really pithy phrase that's why she's a writer and i'm a librarian isn't it because i just like can (laughs) pick the good books rather than make the language come off the page like that i'm currently going to the kind of other extreme of just reading absolute fluff um a thriller by bp walter called the dinner guest which is quite new and again it's a debut novel um, and it's I'm only about halfway through it so I don't know how it's going to transpire but it's about a character trying to inveigle her way into this really quite affluent couple's life that there appears to be a past history with one of them and I think she's out to get her revenge but how or why she's out to get her revenge is yet to be determined. It's just sheer escapist fluff but so far it is actually quite a pace turner and yes you're right it's one of those ones that I'm reading and then my husband comes up the stairs and I have fallen asleep because I'm reading it for too long in bed. So fortunately, it's a paperback. So I've not had any um, hard incidents. May, may in terms of my, <laughs> this is my very last one, I promise. But <laughs> in terms of the 2B Red pile, I was quite excited um, We've also getting the new um, Bernard McClaverty um, book of short stories that he's written, which is called Blank Pages and Other Stories. And uh, obviously he's like the master of that short form. Um, a couple of years ago now, we had him at Cobridge Library talking about Midwinter Break, which is one of his more recent novels. I really like his novels. Um, Grace Notes in particular was a, a favourite of mine. And of course, like many people who are originally from Northern Ireland, he totally has The Gift of the Gab. And, you know, he came that together and they charmed us all with these stories. And mm-hmm. it just that narrative ability just leaps off the page as well so I've read a lot of really good reviews of it and when I went to work the other day there was the copy and copy the library ready for me to take home so if anyone else is looking for it that's a shame because it's made its way to this house first but um, it's short story so I shouldn't obviously be theoretically too long with it. So it depends what else gets in the way but anyway that's a few recommendations <laughs>
0: Fantastic. As you mentioned earlier, Hilary, um, the the Facebook book group um, is doing Alan Parks' Bobby, Marsh. Bobby March Will Live Forever and that's what I'm trying to read my way through. I'm still suffering a little bit from baby interrupted reading so um, I'm not quite kind of getting through things quite as much as what I would like to under normal circumstances. But I think I can be forgiven for that a little bit, hopefully. So, uh, but yeah, that's what that's why I read just now, and it's and kind of like the other, the other Alan parts novels that are out there, part of a series, Harry McCoy. Um, As the police officer in it, it's kind of dark, gritty, um, 1980s I think it is, or the 70s? 1970s Glasgow. 1970s Glasgow, Glasgow. Um, and um, and it's kind of just this this sort of dark underworld of Glasgow that you kind of disappear into and the bit that you don't really want to actually exist really in real life, so um, I'm looking forward to kind of finding out a little bit more of the story as I get a, a little bit further into it and going forward. Like um, the last podcast, we have got a little recommendation from our staff member, who is Craig Tobin, the Macmillan project manager, and he has given us a little sound clip to put into our podcast today. So we'll put that in now for you to to here.
3: Hi everyone, I'm Craig. I work on the McMillan Cancer Support Project across North Lanarkshire Libraries. I am here to tell you about a book that I recently finished, which is Andrew O'Hagan's Mayflies. Uh, A fantastic, beautiful story that really engrossed me and captured me from the very beginning. Um, Books that are focused around music, friendship and manchester which is near my hometown tend to do that um apparently it's based on a real life friendship which makes it you know all that more um enjoyable so on the back of reading shuggie bane i genuinely thought i wouldn't find something as funny as good um and as as beautiful and this story really hit the mark you know for me it's really around youth and responsibility and above all love and the and the promises that we make from those early friendships and relationships and carry through and how that affects our kind of core values. I can't recommend this book enough. I really enjoyed it and it should definitely be on your reading list for 2021-22.
0: So that's Craig's recommendation for you guys. So do look that up if you fancy it. And that's all for us really for this podcast. Um, A little bit of an update for the uh, the library service. We have increased the hours at Airdrie, Cumbernauld, the Coatbridge and the recently. Um, the first three are all back to their pre-Covid hours and Wishaw almost back to pre-Covid hours. I think it's just missing this Saturday there as well and our mobile service is also back on the road which is fantastic so they are going back and visiting local communities as well which is fantastic including a new stop at Steps Primary, while Steps Library is closed due to the building works that's going on there at the moment as well, so you can kind of pop in and visit that, which is fantastic. Um, like always, you can access the you, books 24/7 using BorrowBox um, if you download the app and sign in with the library details. And all the information for that is on our website. So do have a wee look. At that and check that out too um but that's all for us really guys so if we do want to leave any feedback on the podcast do use the hashtag hashtag flb podcast or drop us an email at librarypodcast at but that's really all for us for you guys thanks for listening and we'll be back again soon bye guys